when you're in your therapy appointments, like the inner work is like heightened and you're able to see things more and your therapist is able to like really point out specific ways that you've grown and celebrate you in that way. You were just telling me that. Hello. Hello. What's it about? How are you? Um, I've heard that's not that... the right word. There's no yeah. how are you? Yeah, there is. Hello, it's me. Yeah, well, the, in a different verse, she says, "How are you?" Oh. California, blah, da, 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 da. whatever the oh, hell it is. You're so right. You're so right. But in any case, have you heard that that song is actually her singing to her past self? <laughs> Is your mind being blown? My heart. So it's funny because oh. I, I actually, I don't know if oh. that's true, but I heard that, and I don't oh. know. I like to think that it's true. That hits me right in the heart, right yeah. in the gut, right in yeah. the goons. I don't, that's not a thing. <laughs> right in the breasts. <laughs> God, right these boobs the are hurting. <laughs> they are. Mine are hurting because I'm about to be on my period. But anyway, oh. yeah, isn't that isn't that a lovely thought that that's Adele's beautiful. hello is a yeah a song to her past self? But that's also yeah. like Brandy Carlisle's song, "A Letter to the Past," which is like a letter to her past self. Yeah, right, right, right. Oh. But that's a little bit more on the nose. It's in the title. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Brandy Carlisle and Adele were just in a photo shoot together. Um, I think they're both nominated for some, maybe the Grammys? No, the Grammys just happened, right? They were nominated for something together and they were in the same photo. And I was like, I love that. I love them. Oh, no, it wasn't Adele. I'm so dumb. It wasn't Adele at all. It was Kelsey Ballerini was in a picture with brandy carlisle that's what it was more like surprising to me because i wasn't expecting that pairing do you know okay. kelsey ballerini she's the country singer this really is the like. girl that you like and she was on an episode of southern charm i think i just had a dream about her now that i'm saying this is this whole thing a dream is the photo shoot a dream oh my god am i dreaming <laughs> i might be dreaming is this what this is not what i want my dreams to look like i don't i don't know actually this is not bad I would want my dreams to look like this. I'm like I, I think I would want more. I would want us to be in like a studio and like mm. I don't know. Mm. I was thinking about this the other day. I spent so much. Oh, I was saying this on our on our Instagram. I spend so much of my time thinking about how I want things to change or how I want to grow or where I want to go next that I don't spend a lot of time in the present, enjoying how much I have that I've wanted in the past that I now have. And I thought about like, I mean, even this and like getting to record and it's a Wednesday afternoon and like, this is our jobs right now is to do this. And Mm. what a privilege that is and how, how much I wanted like the freedom of having a flexible schedule, even like three or four months ago. And I felt so trapped and now I have it and I have the flexibility to like get enough sleep and to work work out my body when I want to and and like get to do things like this. I have so many of the things that I've dreamed about having mm. and like let me just enjoy having all of this right now instead of thinking about like, oh, well, I wish we were in a studio and like I wish like what what else do I want? Like, like just enjoy what I have right now, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, that's such a real thing. That's just built into, I think, life as a human being. You know, Mm -hmm. that's like what Buddhist monks talk about. Yeah. Wanting that next thing and, you know, not living in the present moment, all of the mindfulness work, like that's what it's all about because that's a real thing, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like you're doing anything to help you be in the present moment with it? Like to, to appreciate those things more? I think just thinking about it. I think just when I feel myself wanting to think about what's next, to just remind myself to be here instead. I think journaling helps, but also for some reason, journaling like unlocks a lot of ideas in me. Mm. So journaling also kind of helps me to move forward instead of being in the present. But like in meditation, we talk about like just being in the present and just being with the current breath that you have. Mm-hmm. It's all, it also makes me think of impermanence and how like the secret to happy is acceptance of impermanence. Mm-hmm. But that also scares me a little, like it's, impermanence scares me a little bit because I have so many things that I want right now. And we were talking about this in the moving episode where I have so much fear of like, well, what if it, what if my future is not as good as what I have right now? Like, what if it's only downhill from here? What if my future circumstances aren't good? And so like, there's that, there's a fear too of looking at the future and like the acceptance of the impermanence of like, well, I have so many things now that I love. So it's kind of like a double-sided coin, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard one. Yeah, of course. Those are, those are, I think just part of the human condition again. Impermanence can be so scary at times. Like I found when I have been extremely happy and like look around and I'm like, oh my God, like I, this is my life right now. Mm. I think I've gotten better as I've gotten older of being like, just stay here for a second. Just stay here. Like, that's okay. Um, but yeah. I remember, I mean, this still happens, but I remember a specific time <clears throat> when I was younger and I just was in the, like the happiest place of, that I had ever been in. And I was like, I'm going to get hit by a bus. Like I, what's mm-hmm. going to happen? Like when's the next shoe going to drop? Like I'm going to get murdered on the subway. What, what's next? <laughs> yeah. Like when's yeah. the next bad thing going to happen? Because it can't be this good. Um, but it's interesting because I feel like this kind of brings us to our topic for this week because so much of what we talk about in the episode and what I talk about with my therapist is around mindfulness. So we'll get into that in a second. But first, welcome to Wouldn't We Like to Know with Ariel and Linda, the podcast where we get honest, deep, and curious about life's big conversations because we don't have to do it alone that was really fun that was a switch up remember last week i was like trying to do something new with like the last little section of words yeah and what we really needed to do was switch who was saying what and yeah. that felt fresh so keep it fresh. fresh keep it keep it cool keep it fresh yeah. <clears throat> so today on the podcast we're talking about therapy and we've had a couple of therapists on but mm-hmm. today it's just linda and i talking about our experience with therapy and how we found our therapists and linda's had the same therapist for a very long time and so she talks about that relationship and i've gone through different iterations of therapists and so i talk about that it's a really wonderful conversation just we just talk about our experiences with therapy and it's so interesting because we've had 
such different experiences with therapists and different experiences of therapy, which I think is really signifying of what therapy is. Like every therapeutic relationship is really different. And I think it's a really great episode. One, if you've been in therapy for a while, just to kind of hear what other people's experiences with therapy are like. And also if you've been thinking about going to therapy, I think it's a great kind of sneak peek into what our experiences are like with it. Mm -hmm. But again, like everyone's experience is different. Yeah, it was an important thing, I think, for me to talk about because I have had people reach out, friends reach out about our episodes talking about therapy. And I think just knowing the different ways that you can do therapy is so helpful. I think that it would have been helpful to me different kinds of therapy. Like maybe maybe the next thing I do will be drama therapy. I don't know. You know, just yeah. knowing like the different options that we have, I think is really, really important. Also, I'm such a snoopy, curious person. I always want to know what other people's therapy relationships are like because it's such a private relationship. Like people don't really talk about what it's like with their therapist. Yeah. And so I think even with that as well, just if you have a snoopy, curious personality, it's a very interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. Be a fly on the wall. Also, if you all like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It's helpful for us. It's helpful for you. So you can get our newest stuff as it comes out. Also, you can follow us on Instagram, the good old Instagram, which apparently nobody's on anymore because everyone's on tickety TikTok. Um, we also have a TikTok uh, that I now use as my own personal creeping account. <laughs> I spent 30 hours on it on the nice. weekend. But you can follow us on there. We post audiograms of clips from our episodes with video so you can see what we look like when we're talking to each other which is really fun Um, and we also share some like extra photos of our weeks of different things that we want to highlight from the episode and also we ask questions because it's really important for us that we're building a community on instagram as well so if you want to come join us over there please do the instagram handle is wouldn't we like to know or the tiktok handle is wouldn't we like to know also feel free to send us an email we love to get them All right, everybody, we'll see you after the episode. Well, we won't see you after the episode. (laughs) See you in a sec. Enjoy this one. I don't know what to say. Why am I being weird? (laughs) (laughs) I I think we got I think we got some sort of audio. In the midst of the pandemic, I was looking for a way to spice up my meals and my life, let's be honest. Enter Sunbasket. Sunbasket is a healthy organic meal delivery service with options for any lifestyle. From dairy-free, like me, to vegan, to paleo, to I'm adventurous and I'll eat anything. Or maybe you have a sensitive little gut like me, which I found out about earlier this year was the result of a years-long battle with SIBO. So I love that you can see exactly which ingredients will be included in your meals and that they don't use a ton of processed ingredients like other meal kits do. So you can trust that the food you're getting is actually good for your gut. Lately, I've gone wild for their Burmese chickpea and tomato soup with lemongrass. I haven't had Burmese food since I lived in San Francisco. Yum. It really helps you to try new recipes that you'd probably never think of making yourself. Plus, all the ingredients are perfectly portioned out and the cooking instructions are super simple, ready in 20 to 30 minutes. Their meals start at $9.99 a serving. In addition to the meal kits that come with easy recipes, you can also choose from their fresh and ready meals that are already prepared and ready to be reheated in minutes. 
You can skip a week or cancel your membership at any time. Super flexible. Sign up using the link in our Instagram bio or in our show notes and get up to $90 off your first four deliveries. Also for bonus points, send us pics of your mad sunbasket culinary skills we want to see. And now back to the episode. Well, this week, uh, we're going to talk about therapy. <laughs> therapy. Therapy. One of my favorite subjects, therapy. We talk about therapy so much. I just had therapy. I know you did. Are people going to be confused? They're going to be like, about what therapy. are we talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How was your therapy session today? My therapy session today was actually pretty light. Okay. Up until like a few months ago, my therapist was like, every week we do hard work. And I was like, oh, everyone else's therapy sessions aren't like this. That's <laughs> really bizarre. Um, yeah, but today was pretty light. We talked about we talked about making new friends and different ways that we can do that. And also we talked about moving. Mm. So that was a it was a good session. I love my therapist. You do. Her name's April. Her name is April. I know. She sounds great. When's the last time you had therapy? I had therapy on Thursday. Therapy Thursday, baby. TTs. With Jen. Jennifer. That's my mom's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was your therapy session? Um, It was good. I'm trying to remember. You know what, what this therapy session was about? It was a lot of like me reflecting on my own growth. Mm. Like talking about certain things that I noticed that I was like, oh, like this is something that I would have done differently in the past. And I really am proud of myself for doing it in this way. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's such a cool part of therapy for me is having this space that, you know, I do feel comfortable saying that kind of stuff to my friends. But I think that with certain people, there's a certain amount of like, I don't want to like over aggrandize myself. I don't know. Does that make sense? It's like certain people I feel completely comfortable and I'm like, I'm really proud of myself for doing this thing. Of Mm -hmm. course, Mm -hmm. not with everyone in my life. With some people in my life, I know that there's a certain amount of like, I'm not going to share this with you because you're probably going to think that I'm like bragging or whatever. Mm -hmm. But having a space in therapy to do that, it's just like your therapist is there to listen to that and also like validate that. For you of like, yeah, six months ago when we talked about this thing, like that's not how you were approaching it or that's not how you were doing it. And that has been such a beautiful part of therapy for me is having this container of here's a third party person Mm -hmm. that doesn't know anybody else in my life and doesn't have any stake in anything else but me. It's such a unique relationship too in therapy because there is no other relationship in your life, hopefully, unless unless there's a really toxic relationship in your life where it's one-sided for mm-hmm. the most part. Mm-hmm. Like it is all about you and it's your time. And like, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I have a relationship with my therapist. I've been seeing my therapist for six years now. And so obviously I know things about her life and like, I love hearing about what's going on with her, but most of the session is spent talking, me talking about me, her talking about me. And that's a really unique kind of relationship. And it also allows for like, a space for you to celebrate yourself that is just it's all about you and mm. that's a really beautiful unique space and the therapist knows you in such a 
deep way. And like, I think so much of life in our friendships, like other things happen, like life happens around us. And it's not just all about like growth and inner work. And like, there's so much other circumstance happening. So when you're in your therapy appointments, like the inner work is like heightened and you're able to see things more. And your therapist is able to like really point out specific ways that you've grown and celebrate you in that way. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that also is a privilege of time and an investment that you have put into therapy and the relationship that you've built with your therapist, because had you not been going for six months, you, your therapist would not have been able to recognize that for you. And you would not have been able to celebrate that with your therapist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a really unique relationship. Yeah. And to your point, I think there are misconceptions about therapy. There are many misconceptions about therapy, but the point of therapists is really to like be there for you. And and it is different than a friendship. It's different than a family relationship because in those relationships, it's two-way. It's a two-way street of I'm caring about your feelings. You're caring about my feelings, hopefully, you know, and ideally, yeah. ideally, <laughs> and like we, you know, we have to take that into consideration. Whereas in therapy, yes, you're paying this person for a one-sided relationship, which is such as an oversimplification, but that's also the beauty of it is that not that you don't care about that person's feelings, like fuck you, but, <laughs> but that this is concentrated time just about you as a person, just about me as a person. I'm so curious how you feel about this because as a recovering codependent, and I think you would call yourself the same, mm. <laughs> that was one of the things when I first started therapy that felt so weird and clumsy to me was like, I was like, how are you asking questions about her life? I mean, <laughs> yeah. And then oh, being like, funny. oh, I don't want to pry because like, I know that you're not <laughs> like, it's, it's not about you. It's about me. But mm -hmm. like, I feel like I need to make sure that you know that I care about you and like trying to manage my therapist's feelings. And uh, I, I'm so much better at that now because I, I do. I mean, and I say this very thoughtfully. I love my therapist. Mm -hmm. Like I truly love her. And she has told me that she loves me. Like we mm -hmm. have a very close relationship and, and that is a relationship that's been built over the course of six or seven years. So like, I don't know, it kind of feels a little weird to be like, my therapist says she loves me and I know that she <laughs> means it, you know, mm -hmm. but, but it's true. Like we have, it's been a really long time. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like I've gotten better at it because over time, just like I've learned more about her and she's gone on three maternity leaves while mm -hmm. I've been seeing her. So like, I know that she has kids and I know their names and I know, you know, I know that she's moving soon, but like, it's less about feeling like, oh, I need to ask her these questions because I want to make sure that she knows that I care about her too. But it felt so clumsy at first. Yeah. Like it felt weird to yeah. be like, oh, this is just about me. This is my space and I, I'm allowed to take it up. Yeah. 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 It's funny because like when we were talking about the topic of this podcast, I was talking about how I've had many different therapists and yeah. like finding different, finding a therapist. And it's funny because now I'm 32 years old and this is my third long-term therapist. And I am at a place where, I don't know, I feel funny like saying this after after that but like I'm at a place now where I got into this with her and and with her meaning with her my my current therapist, therapist who I've been with for maybe a year and a half 
this is my time very much so and you know she and I have a relationship but it's different than your relationship with April and that's not good bad whatever but it is different and so I very much I'm like this is my time this is my space and I'm happy for her to share something um, like an experience that she's had or something like that 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 helps me but I'm also very aware of the fact that I have done that in the past and I've been really worried about other people's feelings and like are you feeling comfortable and now I'm I really stepped into this relationship of like I'm here for me and and I think that that's important to say because like that's such a beautiful thing that you have and it's also not every therapist and client relationship and it's not the goal necessarily that's just what's happened over time and Mm -hmm. we've organically built this unique relationship but that's not necessarily the goal of therapy or the goal of a relationship with a therapist or the way that it needs to look Mm -hmm. like every really therapeutic relationship looks different yeah also what a beautiful way to like celebrate your growth to have had different ways of relating to each of your therapists and Mm -hmm. for you to be able to see how you've changed in those relationships too. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious because you've had different therapists. When, when did you start therapy and what did that look like for you? Cause I feel like starting therapy could, that can feel really daunting. Yeah. So I think I talked about this in the seasonal depression episode which we'll link in our show notes. Mm. But I went to therapy for the first time when I was 10 years old because I went through this period of depression. Like I can now say that it was depression um, where I would just cry all the time. Like I would cry and I wouldn't have a reason. Like I'd be like, I don't know. I just feel sad or like I have nothing to look forward to. There was no reason. And I have this like specific memory of like us as a family going to Borders bookstore and there mm-hmm. like there was like the kids play state like play area and all these kids books and toys and just like crying at the bookstore and like my parents holding me and like, you know, what's what's going on? And I didn't have an answer and you know, I don't actually know how long that went on, but my parents got me in to see a therapist. And so I think I'm actually really grateful that from a very young age, it was not stigmatized in my family at all. And yeah, it was just, hey, on Tuesdays or whatever day it is, we're going to get out of school a little early and you'll go talk to Dr. Finkelstein was his name. (laughs) And he was, I remember his office and I would sit in this like big leather chair and sit across from Dr. Finkelstein. And he was just like this kind man. I, at the time, I'm not sure if I thought he was old, but he was probably like forties <laughs> or fifties. And he just was like this very kind man. And he would say, how, how was your day? What did you do today? And Okay. What did you, he would just ask me questions like that. And so I would get out of school, school early and go and see him. And then how did you feel about going to see him? Did it feel, I don't remember having any like bad feelings about it. I don't remember having a feeling of like, I'm crazy and they're trying to fix me or anything like that at all. It just was like, was it just like a thing you did? It was just a thing that I did and it became this thing that I looked forward to because I got out of school early and then we'd like go and have lunch, like I'd go have lunch with my mom or my dad and it became like this, almost this like positively reinforced thing that I did. And looking back, it's interesting. I don't know how, like how long I went and I don't remember having like a diagnosis or anything, but 
it was interesting because I think what happened was that just talking about the things going on in my life maybe reinforced in me that there were things going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I have things to look forward to. Or I think maybe even like as an adult now, I'm like, oh, it, it's almost like having a gratitude journal. It was like, oh, these are the things that are happening. And I had fun with my mom and I played this with my sister. And it was like, I don't know, it kind of forced me to be a participant in my life again. Not that this is all as an adult. I don't know what happened as a child. Yeah. So from a very young age, it was not stigmatized. It was just like, we're going to go and whatever. And yeah, so that was me at 10 years old. And then I didn't go back to therapy again until I was 25. And that was when I was living in San Francisco. And I remember that the kind of impetus for it was that at 26, I was going to get off of my dad's insurance. Mm. And so I was like, well, let me just use up this insurance while I can. Let me me just take advantage and max it out. Right. So that was like my conscious thought around it. Yeah. But subconsciously, I definitely was going through a lot of stuff. Like I was in a relationship that I... I was not happy in the relationship. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I was very unhappy, all of these things. And so I just started going to therapy at 25. And I randomly kind of picked this guy out of a hat. How did you find him? I remember looking at my insurance and there was like a list of places. And at the time I was very into, I was vegetarian and I was very I had like my health food blog and all of this blah 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 and so I was like oh this place is holistic psychology so I was like okay that sounds good like I I don't know what else will be going on there but let me try there and so he had availability so I went to him and so he was probably like late 30s or early 40s very serious guy Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if it's because I went to a male therapist when I was younger that I also chose a male therapist as I was older. I, I don't know that I had like a block either way. Yeah. But I started going to this guy and I remember that feeling of like, I need to make him comfortable. Like mm-hmm. I need to, like I can't talk too much. Like I don't want to annoy him. All of this like codependency stuff rearing yeah. its head. And it got to the point where... I don't know, we were a month or so in and I was like, I don't think that this is a good fit. And he said, oh, that's really interesting. What do you think that's about? Mm -hmm. And like, let's have our last, like if this is our last session, let's have our last session. Yeah. And every part of me just wanted to like get up and walk out and like Mm -hmm. not do this. And it was so hard. It was always so hard for me to like have confrontation and, and do that. So having to sit there and talk to him, I just started like, sobbing and broke down and I was like I can't what really came out was like I can't come in here and cry to you every day and like cry in front of a guy and whenever I leave here I just start crying when I leave and I feel like it was worse than when I came in and blah 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 and so it's funny because all of that stuff coming out was truth for me Mm. and had not come out previously And so it was really like this light bulb moment. And this guy, my therapist at the time was so, he said, you can come in to my office every day and just cry. And you don't have to do anything else. 
And there was something in that that just gave me so much permission. He said, you know, if you choose to continue with me, we can try to like wrap things up at the end so that you don't feel like it's a raw nerve when you go out into the world. And so it was this huge lesson in telling the truth and like talking about how I felt and it led to like a solution. And so I kept seeing him for, I think it ended up being another year and it was really transformative for me and let me understand that like, oh, I did not feel comfortable speaking my truth to a man. I did not feel comfortable crying in front of a man and led to so much fucking growth and he would challenge me and it's funny when people talk about therapy and, you know, what do you want in a therapist? I would have said, that's not what I want when I first went into it. I would be like, oh, that's not what I want. You know, I want somebody to be really gentle and this and that. But I do really feel like that's what I needed at that time because it was the most exponential growth. I ended up getting out of that relationship. I got I got into my next relationship, which is a whole other story, but that relationship ended up being like wonderful. And I just had so much personal growth and just was an incredible time, but it was so, so challenging. Like therapy can be really fucking hard. And I want people to know that too. And it is really hard. It can be really hard and it doesn't have to be that hard. Like if, if you're feeling like it's too much, whoever's listening, whatever, you don't have to do that. But somehow deep inside me, I knew like this feels really hard, but it also feels like what I need to be doing. Yeah. And I think only you know that in your situation. Yeah. Just going back to something you were saying where your therapist said that you could sit there for the entire hour and just cry and mm-hmm. that would be fine. I had such an issue with silence when I first started going to therapy. Silence was not tolerable to me with people. Mm-hmm. I needed to fill the silence. I needed to make sure that every everyone was feeling okay, that nobody was feeling awkward. And that was my job. And I remember one day in, in therapy, my, my therapist just said, because I was like, I'm so uncomfortable. Like, I don't know what to say. And she's like, don't say anything. Just be quiet. Mm. And like that permission, I've gotten so much better at that, but I remember how radical that was and and also how uncomfortable that felt to be quiet in therapy because I was like, well, I better be filling this time with something productive if I'm sitting here and I'm paying you for this. But sometimes the silence is what is most productive because it allows you to think like there's space to think there's space to ask yourself what's happening inside of yourself. And it's the same with the crying. There's space for like you to process that emotion and you don't have to perform in any way when you're in therapy. You can just be. Yeah. And that, like, <laughs> so much of our lives, so much of our relationships, we feel like we have to perform a certain way. In therapy, there is no performance. It is just existing. Yeah. And I love what you said about figuring out, like, is this hard and challenging and I want to keep going because I'm going – it's hard, but I'm going somewhere where I want to go or – and I'm curious how this experience has been for you. Like, is this maybe just not a good fit and maybe I need to find something else? Because I think that's also a very common experience where people go and see a therapist and they're like, this is not the therapist for me. And they then they give up because they're like, I didn't like therapy. I don't like therapy. Mm, but yeah. I think it's important to remember every therapist is also a person and you're not going to be friends with every person. So you need to find the therapist that feels like a person you want to have a relationship with yes. also. 
So I saw a therapist when I was 13 Mm -hmm. after I was in this car accident that my grandfather died in. And my mom went and saw a therapist. And I don't even really exactly remember why I started seeing her too. But I saw her for like maybe two months. So not even very long. And that is shocking to me because the amount of things that we should have been working on like, I don't know why I ever stopped seeing her or why she ever let me stop seeing her as a child. Because I wonder if she saw, like, what was happening or if she just wasn't a very good therapist and those exist too. But basically, we worked through EMDR work. So it's like a series of lights that go uh, in a line and they're supposed to help you reprogram part of your brain. They, like, help your brain refocus. And uh, it was for physical reactions to cars breaking. So if Mm. I was in a car and the car started breaking, my entire body would involuntarily like try to protect my chest and head area. So like my legs would come up and my hands would go in front of my face. So we did EMDR to help get rid of that. And I guess to work through some of the grief of the accident, but I don't think we really did, to be honest. Um, And then I didn't see another therapist until I was 23. Mm. And that was for panic attacks. I had a lot of really bad panic attacks, a lot of really bad anxiety. And I thought I was going for my relationship with my dad. And it turned out, of course, to be so much more than that. That was just like the tip of the iceberg. But I had a good relationship with my therapist pretty much right off the bat. And I felt like I trusted her and it felt uncomfortable, like what you were saying. Mm -hmm. But it felt right. And is this your current therapist? And this is my current therapist. Yeah. But she's had multiple children since. And so I've seen other therapists while she's been on maternity leave. And I think seeing other therapists can also be so beneficial because you get a different style and a way of looking at therapy, but also at the world. And they think differently and they ask different questions. And, you know, every therapist has their own approach. But with those people, I just felt unseen. Mm. And it didn't feel helpful or productive and it just wasn't a good fit Mm -hmm. and so with one of them I think we had like three sessions and then I was like I'm I'm out I'll just take a break while she's on maternity leave and then the other one I was in a really raw place in my life and so I was like I'm just gonna keep pushing through and like it doesn't feel as productive as the work that I do with my normal therapist but I do feel like I can even get something out of the uncomfortability of this Mm. and the fact that I feel more pushback against everything that you're saying. And that's interesting to me. And I can get something out of that as well. Mm. And so like that was a very conscious choice for me to keep seeing her, even though I didn't feel like it was a good fit. And honestly, just in talking to her and just in me speaking and processing, because I'm a verbal processor, I felt like I got something out of that. Mm. But I also think that that's a very unique circumstance where I was used to being in therapy and used to talking to someone and I knew that I needed that at the time. And I knew that it was temporary and that it would end. And I was like, well, I don't want to go and find someone else, but I know that I need this. So I'll just stick with you, you know? Yeah. Well, it sounds like if you hadn't been with your current therapist and you hadn't had the experience of a good therapist and also like what it what it means to be like a, a curious person, a curious client, you know, like someone in therapy. I wonder if you would have been able to have that same experience. Like you had, you knew, okay, if I'm honest, if I talk these things out, even if this person isn't maybe giving me the feedback or whatever it is that I need or that usually works for me, I can still find value in it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've learned in therapy that felt so difficult was fighting with my therapist. Like I have fought, I have had fights with my therapist and learning that fights are not destructive to relationship, but is are actually helpful for becoming much closer in a healthy relationship and helping there to be understanding and not expecting someone to just know how to be around you, but helping them understand you and what you need mm-hmm. and that in a healthy relationship that is desired. And so like being able to say to my therapist, hey, I don't like that you said that, that hurt my feelings or hey, that's making me feel really defensive or anything that would potentially cause a conflict mm-hmm. in my point of view, that has been something that has like changed my life to be able to say that and to be able to like cry and be like, you hurt my feelings and for her to push back on me to be like, okay, well, that's interesting. Why is that? I feel like, like you feel defensive right now. What's going on there? And to me, <laughs> me to be like, yeah, I'm defensive. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> but that helped in that other therapist relationship mm. where I was feeling defensive and I was like, okay, just stay. Mm. I can actually learn from this. Mm. I can find out more about what's happening inside of myself. Yeah. Oof. That's a thing. That's such a thing. I can't remember if this is Liz Gilbert or Glennon Doyle, but one of them says like- One of our- uh, One of our little gurus. Yeah. Large gurus, amazing gurus. They said like, when I feel myself getting defensive- I know I'm like getting out of myself. And so I say, go back in, go back in. Because it can teach us so much. It's hard because it's like being defensive is literally pushing away of like, yeah. I, I just can't do this right now. I can't this, this, whatever. Versus like, go back in. Let me let me be a participant in this. What's going on in my head? And that's so hard. But like, what a gift to have that, especially with a therapist that you've built so much trust with yeah. and that knows so much about your inner workings and like your fears and all of these things. Like what a beautiful thing to like cultivate. Yeah. In your relationship with your therapist, going back to this question, Mm -hmm. what have been the reasons that you've left these relationships and tried new therapists? Mm. Um, Or what have been like the indicators for you of this is not a good fit? Yeah. So with the male therapist that I had in San Francisco, I moved and so that was the reason to end it. In when, the days when when everyone did therapy in person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was in person. And so when I moved to New York City, I um, was trying to find someone new. I started going to someone who who I found out used to be an actor and she started giving Mm. me advice about how to get into the acting business. And I said, this isn't for me. Thank you. Mm. And another thing is that when I would talk things out, she would say, well, it sounds like you have a handle on it. So I'm like, okay, what are we doing here? What, what's going on? Like, I'm not here to anyway, it was, (laughs) that was not the right fit. Like, I don't want someone to give me advice on something that I'm not there to get a advice on I don't really need your advice on acting thank you yeah so that was one of them that wasn't why you were there no and then as I was trying to get in I took some time off from therapy a few years and when I was trying to get with a therapist um, more recently the first person that I went to definitely was much younger than me and at the time I think that it was fine but it definitely was not going to push me in any way and I didn't feel like she could fully understand my experience. <laughs> I don't need to go to s- someone who's older than me, but especially this person it just felt like 
what I'm saying to you is not landing. You didn't feel understood by her. No, I did not feel understood by her. She actually ended up moving to a different practice. So that worked out in any case. And then I started going like kind of hopping around and dating, which is what I try to tell people to do with therapy. Um, Like I would say do a, a few sessions with someone to kind of see, are we the right fit? Does this feel good? But in that process for me, there were a couple that I was like, first session, this is not a right fit. And a good example of that was there was this woman that I went to. And from the very beginning, she couldn't handle the silence. Oh. So she, oh my gosh, oh. which was like, what a switch flipped on of, of that used to be me. And here's, here's her, the therapist. And so she'd be like, okay, well, yeah. Um, uh, so, okay, well that just, and I'd be like, you are giving me anxiety and I feel like yeah. I need to take care of you. And that is not what I'm here for. Yeah. I'm not going to pay you for that, <laughs> but thank you. Yeah. So after that one, it was a no. And then finding my current therapist, Jen, can I just say, yeah. this is something that I'm learning too, just in friendships and relationships. It's like people are just in different parts of their growth journey and therapists are not excluded from that. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like you you need to find someone, especially in a therapist, that is like a couple of steps ahead of you in their growth journey. And y- yes. she might be a couple of steps ahead of some other people for her clients. And then that's a great fit. But like that's important to remember, I think, that therapists are people – Girls as players too. Therapists as players too. <laughs> yeah, it's true. They are. We're all just trying to live our lives, you know? Yeah, gosh. But not a good fit. She was not a good fit. And bless, bless you. Therapists as people too. Yes. <laughs> I had this contact through my insurance that was helping me, that had helped me um, connect with other, with these other therapists. And so I contacted her. I said, is there a therapy group that I could contact or give me different options, whatever. Mm-hmm. She was so helpful. And what I ended up doing, and I, I think that this is a very good tip for everybody, and I say this to people, I found this therapy group. I emailed them. I said, who is available if I wanted to start? So they gave me a list of people. On their website, they had a list of everyone. And a, they had a picture. They had a blurb about everybody and their schooling and kind of their focuses and all of that. And even if you're not quite sure what you want, I think that's so helpful to have context of who it is. Because the few other ones that I'd gone to before my current therapist, it was like, this person's available, period, here we go. I had knew nothing about them. Yeah. And with me finding Jen, she was available. I looked at her bio. She talked a lot about mindfulness, which is something that I was already very into and I meditate and all of that. And a few other things that really jumped out at me. And also one of my best friends is a clinical social worker. And I was talking to her about this. And Jen is under clinical supervision, which means that she is out of school, but is still under supervision by someone higher up, which may seem like, well, I want to be with someone who has a million years of experience. But one of my best friends was saying, oh, that's actually can be really helpful because if, you know, she has questions or isn't sure how to deal with something, she can go to her clinical supervisor who has years and years of experience and they can help her too. I want to echo that because my therapist, when I first started seeing her, I think she was still taking classes. She was still in school Mm, and it was her second career. She's much older than me, Mm -hmm. but yeah, she, I think she still is working up to, she still has a supervisor Mm. and 
And I've never felt like she didn't know she, what she was doing or she didn't know what she was talking about. Yeah. And I think maybe that's, that, that's part of the reason is like there's more of a sense of community and like a sense of crowdsourcing and having yeah. discussions about Like them. there's a second pair of eyes. Yeah, And totally. they can talk about it in a group setting. Like, yeah. And so I was really grateful that my friend told me that. And I was like, okay, this feels okay. Let me give it a, a shot. And in our first session, we talked about goals. I talked about my background, all of these things. And it just felt like this feels comfortable. This feels comfortable. So one of the things that I really wanted to pick up on was this question of what is difficult or like a struggle in the therapeutic relationship or with the relationship that you have with your therapist or with the relationship that you have to therapy, if there is anything. Um, that's a very interesting question. So when I move... I will no longer be seeing this current therapist that I'm with because she can only practice in the state of New York. And my time with her has been really helpful and has been just like a really nice place to have a sounding board. And like we focused so much on mindfulness and I feel like that's kind of sunk into me in in ways that feel really good and helpful. But I do think that in my next therapeutic relationship, I really want to, I want to be analyzed. I want some like deep, deep shit because I feel like mm. I do a lot of my, I do that a lot on my own, but I can outsmart myself. There's only so much that I can do on my own without somebody else like holding me accountable. And she does in certain ways, but this feels very, it still feels very gentle and supportive and that's wonderful, but I feel like I'm kind of ready for this next iteration that I felt like I had with my male therapist in San Francisco of really being challenged of like, you've said this before, what do you think that this is about? Or like, Mm -hmm. how does this relate to whatever, whatever in the past? And Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm at a point where I'm really ready to do very, very deep work. And a lot of the stuff that like you and I have talked about in the past, like doing to be magnetic, which is like a manifestation workshop, but it's a lot of like inner child work and shadow work. And that has been so helpful to me, but it's also me doing it on my own versus having somebody to talk it out with that like specializes in it. Like I want somebody to help me to excavate that stuff and just confront it. So I don't know if that, I guess that kind of answers the question. Like where I'm at, I, the therapy that I'm in now is perfect for where I am now, but I'm feeling the pull to do that next thing. Mm. Yeah. And I love that too, because it's such a good example of how therapy has different flavors and you need different things at different times. And so different types of therapists can help you kind of do that. I think it's interesting too, with like the TBM stuff, I almost see that as just as you're talking about it, I'm thinking about it and I, I see it kind of like a hybrid of coaching and therapy because like so much of TBM is goal oriented and like, what are the things that you're lacking in your life that you really want? And how does that connect with your inner child and your shadow, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of like a hybrid between like the therapeutic side of things and coaching 
mm-hmm. and like getting you to where you want to go. Cause I- I've tried to kind of steer my therapist in the direction of like, okay, these are like, I want to do X. I want to do Y. I want to do Z. And we always like go really deep inwards. And so like, it's so interesting as you're saying this, I feel like I have a pull towards that too, of kind of like really wanting to be challenged, but in a way too of it being centered around goals. Mm. Does that make sense? I'm not saying that that's what you're saying, but that's what's coming up for me as you're saying that. And you brought like the TBM thing into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And it's interesting because with my therapist, every, I think two or three, maybe three months, we discuss mm-hmm. goals. Like we discuss. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so this is a great example, again, of like different therapists doing different things and whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, we will discuss more psychological goals or, you know, when I first went in, it was a lot of getting clearer around life choices and building more self-confidence and like the ability to speak up for myself. All of those things were kind of like pillars of things to do. But it sounds like for you, it's more like the next career goal or the next like moving goal, like those big things. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know enough to know if there are specific therapists that do that kind of work. I feel like they're almost have to be. And I know that my my therapist is also a career coach. So that's also interesting. We've definitely like dipped our toe into that, but we'll like dip from therapy and into that and back to therapy. And I know that our relationship as, as it is defined is a therapeutic relationship. So we kind of tend to go back to that side of things, but there have to be coaches like that because I know even TBM, they work with people who are registered therapists and and they work with people to do like the TBM work. Mm-hmm. What about for you? What What is difficult in your therapy right now? Yeah, it's a good question. Good job. Good job, me, Linda. For coming up with a question <laughs> that I don't have an answer to. <laughs> um, I think one of the things that feels difficult about my relationship with my therapist right now or with my relationship with therapy I I like having an end goal and I love how you set goals with your therapist and I think kind of what I'm thinking of is like I feel like sometimes I don't know where I'm going we've had like a lot of conversations recently if I'm not doing like deep transformative growth spurt work then I feel like I'm not doing enough and I think that that's something that I need to think about more because like, as I said at the beginning of this episode, my therapist has said to me before, like every week we're doing like really hard work. And I feel like sometimes I feel like that's the only valuable work is the stuff that's like really, really deep and the stuff that's like deeply transformative and like feels juicy. And so when we go through moments of rest in therapy and maybe we work on stuff that's a little bit closer to the surface and not as traumatic, (laughs) I feel like I'm not doing as much as I should be. Mm. And so like when I was trying to figure out how to say this, I was like, I feel like I'm being lazy in therapy right now. But even that's not true because we just had a really great session yesterday, but it just didn't feel like 
we didn't uncover some new trauma that I went through, or I didn't rediscover the way that I've been looking at my relationship with my parents has been manipulated my whole life. And now I'm like seeing it in a new lens, you know, like the really crazy frame shifting stuff isn't happening so much anymore because I've been spending the last three years working on that. That's like, it took me three years to be able to get to that point where I could really do that work. And I've spent like the last three years doing that work. And so now it just feels like if there's not more of that, like really big stuff, then I'm not doing enough. But I also have a hard time with rest and with letting myself fully just like relax. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that I'm feeling that way in terms of how I just am. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's something that I'm struggling with right now is like, how do I let myself feel like I'm doing enough when I'm not uncovering like this, like really big turmoil stuff? Yeah. It's interesting because as I hear you talk about it, I'm like, oh, that's just the growth. That's because you you have taken the time to open yourself up to working through those things. And now is the time to like sit with you having done a lot of that work. Mm. But yeah, yeah, it's it's the idea of like consistently living in a state of like heightened trauma and like working through all of these things and like that's so much hard work that it does require rest after you know that's such an interesting dichotomy of feeling like the need to consistently be doing that because I'm sure that it feels really valuable to like have those moments of reflection and realization and even if they're really hard but then like also having the balance of the other side of it of like Today, we're just going to talk about the show that I watched, (laughs) whatever it is. Yeah. Well, and I feel like it became so normal because it was, that's what was happening. Like every week, there was a whole new stone that I picked up and saw the bottom of. And I was like, what? That's been there this whole time. What do you mean? And so, like, I just got used to there always being a stone to pick up. And now I've looked through so many of the big stones that there's less of them to pick up. And there's still lots of things to look at on the underside underside of those stones, but like it's starting to be a little bit easier, but it makes me think of what you were saying with what you're looking for in your next therapist being something that you were also experiencing one of your last therapists where it was like, now this feels really gentle, but you're ready for someone to challenge you again. And like the cyclical aspect of that, where you've spent some time like not being super, super challenged in your therapy and instead being like held and validated and how there is value in being challenged and there's value in being held and validated and like a more gentle approach and how both are needed. Mm-hmm. And like you need to go through the cycles of that. And I think that that's what I'm going through right now is I'm going through like the gentler aspect of this cycle and just like letting myself breathe a little bit. And then I can jump into the more like challenging growth stuff again later, but I have a hard time being in the downside of that spiral yeah, cycle, not spiral. Yeah. Well, all of this just makes me think of Anna's thing, Anna from episode two and three, everyone, but um, mm-hmm. Anna's thing of it gets to be easy. It gets to be good. Yeah. And 
I think about that a lot. I really think about that a lot of there are times where it does just get to be easy. And if I don't let it be it also something that Liz Gilbert was saying was that the idea of like protecting your own personal time and space, like nobody else is going to do that. And I think that that really is the same thing right now in this conversation is like, no one is going to make it easy for you unless you make it easy for yourself, unless you choose that, you know? Yeah. It's like life is going to keep spinning around and around and around and it's up to us to be like, well, I'm going to choose to stop for a second and just, you know, notice this. And the same thing with rest. All right. No one's going to like make you rest. No one's going to force you to rest unless you allow yourself to rest. Yeah. Well, this has been great, but it's also been going on for a long time. So maybe at some point we will pick this conversation back up again. But I think mm-hmm. that it was great to talk about all of it. And I feel like I learned stuff about you and your therapist and your journey that I didn't know before. So I appreciate that. I loved hearing about your experience with your therapist too. I'm really glad we had this conversation. Me too. Yeah. All right, everybody. Catch you on the flippity flop. We'll see you next week. On the other side of the flippity flop. Bye. I love that. (laughs) 